Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sweaty Casuals, brought to you by Snowflake Sanctuary Discord server. This is the podcast where we talk about the A to Z's of the games we love to play from the states of ranked games to our thoughts on the newest sensations and everything in between. My name is Zach, and along with my co-host, Knox, we will be your guides as we traverse ELO hell. Small reminder, we do swear, so viewer discretion is advised. Today, we're joined by Lord Bandito and Invader Caramel, usually referred to as Bandito and Caramel, respectively. Of course. Uh, who are two of the moderators and big fans of Baldur's Gate 3, uh, the title we'll be discussing today. Heads up, we will be discussing spoilers for the game. So if you haven't finished the story, not necessarily the epilogue, but if you haven't finished the story and you'd prefer it to be a surprise, please stop watching, listening. Um, come back later. Listen later. Uh, we don't want to ruin anything of anybody else's experiences. Our icebreaker for today. Who is your favorite companion? And what is it about Asterion? <laughs> it is Asterion. That is no. Right <laughs> Um, I'll kick it off. Yeah, go ahead. Sure, sure. I'll kick it off. Um, Spoiler, I do love Astarian. He is not my favorite. Um, I, (laughs) the shaking heads. Um, But I genuinely think a lot of your favorite companion has to do with who you spend the most amount of time with and maybe who you romance in the first playthrough. Um, So that being said, my favorite companion is Gale. Um, I think he gets a bad rap sometimes. Uh, sometimes for, <laughs> for having little brother energy, but look, um, I had a ton of fun enjoying his story. I think he has a compelling arc, um, in terms of what he wants and how you as a character, especially within a romance situation, can kind of talk him out of it and make him see that there's more to life than just becoming a god and being power hungry. Yeah, but you have to follow up on his ex. And she does talk about his ex all the time. <laughs> and you a know, lot. those are always red flags. Those are no, always red flags. Ex. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you'd probably talk about your ex if they were a little god, literal god as well. Yeah, it's a flex. I won't yeah, lie. Yeah, it's a flex. That's a, I'm like, it's he's a doing flex. it to, to show um, off. Caramel, you seemed like you had strong thoughts on Asterion. Let's, let's go. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even romance him first. I romanced Lazelle, and I'll get into that later. But Asarian, <laughs> I feel, is the most objective. Not just because he is adorable, which he is. Not just because he's sarcastic, which he is. He's just generally the most well-rounded character. I feel like, and you, oh, I always have him on my. You, you can disagree if you want, but you're wrong. Uh. I need him in my team at all times. Just just not only because of his abilities, but he just has the best responses for every situation. That's why that character is as amazing as he is. So good points. If I had to choose between the two, I'd probably put Asterion higher than Gale, because Gale's objectively the wrong choice. Oh my um, god. On the other hand of that... There is only one option, and it's Carlac. There's no competition whatsoever. Okay, let me start you off. She is the meanest looking motherfucker on the team, yet she carries you like a wounded dog the entire game. It is adorable. Anything other than that is the wrong word to use to describe her. 
in a lot of the romance options, you get a choice of some kind of event that happens between your character and your chosen character. Her interaction, their event, is a date. They go on a small little first date to a diner. So adorable. It's adorable. It's so fucking cute. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's adorable. Best girl, by far. There's no competition. The only one that even comes close is Asterion, and it's barely. And it's only because that voice actor carries them. (laughs) I will say, I think think you... I would concede to Carlac being the best because I feel like she gives that first kind of flag in the game that looks can absolutely be deceiving. Yep. <laughs> and it's the best way of, of seeing that in the game, I think, at first, is like this huge tiefling fire monster-esque most cuddly bear in the, in the whole game. She I will has, say, one of my temper. favorite things... She does have a temper. One of my favorite things about Carlac, uh is when I... She joined my party, and when you send her to go, like, main attack somebody, melee or... It's usually melee, because it's Carlac. Um, but they have little lines that sometimes they'll say before they go in, and my favorite one from her, and when I knew that I was going to love her as a character, is when I sent her to go main attack an enemy... And the line that she mutters is poor fucker. Like she's, <laughs> she's, she's awesome. She's one of my favorites. Um, Gail still takes a cake. Sorry. It's not close, but that's all right to have. That's other opinions. <laughs> After you have your fifth playthrough, it'll probably change. Definitely. Fifth. Gail is such a basic bitch choice. <laughs> he is as vanilla as it gets. Okay. <laughs> Look. I like a simple man. Uh It's great. uh Sure. (laughs) He listens to me. He takes my advice. Like, I couldn't ask for more. It was a wonderful first playthrough with him. We're not going to read into that. Um, Just for context, uh, I haven't played the game. I don't own it. Um, However, I do enjoy Asterion. I get all the TikTok memes about him. Um, He's been the fun one to watch. So, Yeah. Let's... <laughs> Let's get into it. Um, Knox, you've got a list of all of the awards that Baldur's Gate has won. I Let's do just, have a list. Let's just run through those real quick. Yeah. Um, so to preface this, along I'm gonna go through the specific awards that he has won and has been nominated for. Um, but this is also accompanied by a just mass amount of five star, four star. 90% plus 10s out of 10s, 9s out of 10s from a just magnitude of publishers. This game was very well received upon it being launched to live um, and then went on to win a ton of awards. So to start, um, I went through Wikipedia and took all of the awards. It's one, I know it's Wikipedia, but it's the That's best awesome. place to, it's the best place to, for all that knowledge to congregate and I could see it in a table. Sweaty so. casuals getting all our data from all the best sources. Look, reliable. Let's reliable. not forget. Let's not forget my Overwatch list from a few episodes ago. It was a little bit rough. Anyway, we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to start, 
At the Golden Joystick Awards, it won Best Storytelling, Best Game Community, Best Visual Design, Best PC Game of the Year, Best Studio of the Year, Best Supporting Performer for Astarian, and Ultimate Game of the Year. It was also nominated for Best Supporting Performer, which was our narrator. At the 14th Hollywood Music and Media Awards, it was nominated for Best Original Score. At the Brazil Game Awards, it was nominated for Best Soundtrack, but it won Best RPG, Best Multiplayer, Best Studio, and Game of the Year. At the VTuber Awards, it was nominated for uh, Stream Game of the Year. And then finally, at the Game Awards of 2023, it was nominated for Best Game Direction, Best Narrative, Best Score in Music, but it also won Best Community Support, Best RPG, Best Multiplayer Game, Best Player's Voice, Best Performance, and then ultimately, Game of the Year. So, it has won so much. It is obviously well-received. People love it. We love it here. Uh, we haven't been able to stop playing it, at least for the last few weeks, as I've been going through my first run a little bit late in the game. Four months. But four months for some of us. Yeah. <laughs> so to start the conversation, I wanted to talk about why. Why has it been well-received? Why has it won the awards? Why did we fall in love with it? And I would love to start with Caramel. I think ultimately, just to go to the why has it won all the awards, I think it's strictly story. Yes, the characters are great. Yes, your control over your character and the the story is great. But the story itself, the overall theme that the characters have is very relatable in some cases. And just, it's it's so fun to really just feel like you're a part of these characters' redemption arc. Or if you really go down the other path, pure destruction. But but it's more it's more rewarding to feel like you're part of this character's growth. It, that, that's ultimately why I fell in love with the game. Is that every character, even though you may not have every character in your first playthrough, mm-hmm. you, that's why it has such replayability, which I know we'll talk about a little later. But even if you miss a character, if you play it again, you find out this character has a redemption arc that didn't have it maybe your first playthrough. And again, it all kind of goes towards that theme. A lot of it's just being out of the control of somebody else's or being in the shadow of somebody else and having your own path to follow. So I, I, I just love the story. That's, that's everything to this game. Um, I think for me, it's just the sheer amount of choice. You're not in most games, you get like maybe a 50-50 if it's that kind of game. Uh, A big one that I grew up on was Infamous and the newer edition Infamous Second Son. It used a, a morality system that depending on if you were a good person or bad person, your abilities would change. Which is good and all, but that's it. In Baldur's Gate, you can change your race, you can change your class, you can change who you pick up, you can change how you play, where you go. Everything is adjustable. Anything you want to do, you kind of can do anything all the time. I know I've done a specific few playthroughs just because I wanted one thing including my current one. 
there is a certain ending that I wanted to avoid. And so I'm going out of my way to figure out if it's possible to get an ending where it doesn't happen. Because there's just, there's so much you can do. You can play the game and it'll be completely new, like four or five times. It's delightful. It's delightful. Bandito, do you want to talk about your current quest and what you're you're trying to? Go for it. So as I stated, I fucking love Karlak. <laughs> Favorite character, easily, not really a contest. However, again, slight spoiler, in the normal game, if you don't do anything, you progress normally, you can't find a way to save her and she will explode at the end of the game. And because that was my first playthrough, I cried. <laughs> and I was, it was not a pretty cry. I, I ugly cried for a second. It, it hurt. I wasn't emotionally prepared for that shit to happen. That, that scene killed me. Uh, so this playthrough I'm doing around, right now is strictly dedicated to attempting to save her. I think I can get her back in hell for a little bit. So that she doesn't explode. So that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Fingers are definitely crossed. <laughs> the funniest yes. thing is, I've never had her explode in any of my playthroughs. Not once. It was so, so just the violent. fact that it happened on yours with that character, does my heart breaks for you just a little bit. That, it was, that's that's it was hard. so violent. It was not a soft little poof no she fucking exploded i wasn't prepared so so of course now i'm dedicating this one to strictly her survival regardless of what i need to do to make that happen <laughs> nox what do you why do you think it won all the awards um, I've got a couple reasons. I think it lends to its pl- replayability. I think it lends to its story, to its compelling characters. Uh, a lot of things I already touched on, so I won't beat a dead horse on that. But one of the things that I personally loved about it, and I'll break this into two parts. One, I've never played a Dungeons & Dragons game in my life. I have wanted to. I have shown interest. I think it sounds really fun in theory, but I have I had very little knowledge. I have created a character once. Um, So coming in and being introduced to this world and being able to make mistakes but still feel good about what I did by the end and feel comfortable in what I'm doing. I still remember Caramel and Bandito watching me play Act 1 on my first playthrough. And I was like, why can't I do this action this time? And they're like, you you already used your bonus action. Uh, My what? (laughs) What are spell slots? What are sorcery points? I was playing a um, a tiefling uh, sorceress for and for context here. I had no clue. I felt like I was waving around a limp noodle trying to kill these people for the first ten hours of my playthrough because I didn't understand the um, how the game worked and how the combat worked. And I know when I was playing it, I had those complaints out loud to people of like, I wish there were best better tutorials. But as I moved through it and naturally learned how to play the game, I learned how forgiving it was and how it did teach you by the end. There were a few things. The sorcery points, I don't know if I would have ever figured it out, to be so honest with you. But I still haven't. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a weird mechanic they don't show you. Um, <laughs> but I think the way that it introduces people to this world of Dungeons & Dragons, um, I now have... Uh, 
I recently bought Dice. That's exciting. I'm in. I'm queuing up for a game with people in the Discord. I think it's opened a new avenue for me to pick up a hobby and enjoy this in a different way. My other point was that while I finished my first playthrough last night, actually, we pushed back this recording so that I could finish my last playthrough, my first playthrough. I had watched my boyfriend finish his game uh, in his uh, Xbox playthrough. And so that cued me into a few endings and what I maybe wanted to do and to avoid by the end. So I was better prepared than people who were going in blind to finish the story. But the way that I was able to watch how he played and get his endings and then play my way, we only had two endings in common. And I think that touches on replayability. But I also think it gives the player a really satisfied feeling with at the end that your choices in what you did mattered and what you decided to do during those 50 to 100 hours during that playthrough mattered because there's nothing worse than to play a game that has choices and feel like you were shoeboxed by the end. It's interesting that you bring up the Dungeons and Dragons connection and how you have no experience. Um, I know that there's some varying levels in here. Caramel, would you want to touch on your Dragons and Dungeons experience and whether or not that experience matters? To play I think it, absolutely, it absolutely does. So when I first started playing Dungeons and Dragons, I kind of went the same route I did when I first started playing Baldur's Gate. I picked a human and I picked a magical class. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my first Dungeons and Dragons game did not go well because I think that's a small drawback with Dungeons and Dragons versus a playthrough of Baldur's Gate 3, you have to rely on other people, specifically who also have unlimited choices, unlimited options. So I think that can cause a Dungeons and Dragons game or campaign to be vastly different and have a million different endings. This one does have a limited amount of endings. But I think if you've never played Dungeons & Dragons, I think this is a great way to start getting into it. A gateway drug, if you will. It's a controlled (laughs) environment. There There is a set path already for you. There are companions that you still have. They have their own stories and actions, but you still have control over, are they in your party? Or what are they gonna do to help me in battle? Whereas if you're playing with friends, they're going to make those choices. Um, and, the, and playing Baldur's Gate with friends gives you, I think, a bigger depth into what a D&D game is like. Um, and, and again, it goes back to when you play it again, you will play another Dungeons & Dragons game once you play your first one. You'll want to play another campaign. Same with Baldur's Gate. You're going to play another time. And it's just going to continuously get better as you play because you know what you're doing. So a lot of it is just that learning curve your first time. After that, it's just the sky's the limit in both Dungeons and Dragons and Baldur's Gate. Bandito? So I am in a unique position to where I picked up D&D first a little while ago, but had repeated back-to-back not-great situations and not-great campaigns by people who didn't actually want to play. It's a miracle I got hooked on it to begin with. Um, to the point that I gaslit myself into thinking, I can run a campaign. How difficult could it be? 
spoiler alert, it sucks. Don't do it. If you've got someone who wants to be the DM, let them. Leave <laughs> them to their own. They enjoy it. Let them. 100%. Um, I have not gone through more stress than trying to map out what my players could do in their world. However, going from a okay at best D&D campaign to Baldur's Gate, I think was a brush of uh, a breath of fresh air. It let me actually experience the uh, the world, the environment without and pardon my French for dickheads on my back who won't do anything except fuck everything up along the way. Pain in the gonna- ass. I want to add in, I, I've had also very bad D&D campaigns. My first one ever <laughs> was so bad. And I think going into something that's already established, like Baldur's Gate, yes. it, it, it's, it's it, I, I think oh, you better. said it best, a breath of fresh air. It's like things are actually going. They're moving. You, you, you go through the store. You progress. You don't have to rely on someone else who has their own agendas. You can, <laughs> you can really just go, go. for it. Oh, yeah. it's so nice. It's so I also nice. think it's interesting the timing of Baldur's Gate 3, and not that I don't know if this was a planned thing or whatever. I don't know who's all in uh, doing this, but my actual first experience with D&D was the D&D movie, which is really funny uh, because it's not how you play D&D, but it was the D&D movie. Yep. <laughs> um, and I enjoyed it. I really liked it. I thought it was a fun movie. But then I went and played Baldur's Gate, the connections between them. They, I didn't realize there was a lore and that there were accepted monsters and and this was normal. The Sword Coast, Baldur's Gate, these um, classes of people, the Flaming Fists, like things like that are accepted and exist in lore. That was wild to me. I think I had that realization a couple days ago of like, oh my god, I thought Dungeons and Dragons was completely open to whatever the DM wanted to be. They had to create their own world every single time. They have to be so creative. I didn't realize that this was an established lore, which I, my little hyperfixation brain is now a little bit excited because it has a new object to go learn about. If you're lucky enough, you'll realize that before making a whole campaign without <laughs> anything, added in at each little detail <laughs> i haven't slept in days <laughs> <laughs> gotta read them D D player handbooks yeah no, they're and- they're kind of important <laughs> a little bit just for uh for context sake part of the reason why i haven't played Baldur's gate and i really don't have a huge interest to it is because i have played D and i have not enjoyed it <laughs> It's it's not the game for me, which is fine. Um, it does hurt a lot that I think I've played with one good DM ever. And I was very young at the time. This was, I must have been probably about seven or eight years old. So still, still a little bit young to really fully grasp all the things going on and how all the mechanics worked and, you know, how you can actually progress. Um, and it was a little one shot that we did. Um but I've just really never had a great D&D experience, and I do have found that off-putting in getting into Baldur's Gate. But I don't know how shared an experience that is, given just how popular Baldur's Gate has ended up being. Well, kind of like what... Oh, go ahead. 
I think it skyrocketed into popularity first with, oh, what's his name? Matt Merth- Matt Mercer. Critical brought, Role. Oh, critical Role kind of brought D&D back into the spotlight, and then they kept getting popular. 100%. And then they kept getting popular, and then there was a movie, and then there was a game, and then it just kept going, and now it's a big thing again. See, you say that, and I actually don't think it was that. I think it was Stranger Things. I was about to bring that up. People forget Stranger Things. I think it was first. It was. It might have been. In terms of popular culture. But it definitely helped. At Mm -hmm. very least, it helped. I mean, at this point, Stranger Things is one of the few properties keeping Netflix alive. Which is saying something. Yeah. (laughs) And it makes them a lot of money. That's why they're not afraid to dump stupid (laughs) amounts of money in it. Yeah. Separate conversation, though. Well, even just connecting the Mind Flayer in Baldur's Gate to the Mind Flayer in Stranger Things, that was also like a, like, whoa, uh, that was wild. Why did I not, why did that not click when Stranger I started? Stranger Things does it in a really fun way because they don't necessarily, like, go deep into the D&D lore or anything. They just borrow the names to try and, and like, explain the it. concept of it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which and it's I think kind of they fun do it really well. Way. Yeah. yeah. It lets it kind of be original. Hmm. Um, we've heard Bandito's least favorite part of the game very clearly with Carlac. Uh, <laughs> let's just go around and either tell me about your personal favorite part or like the biggest, like the worst Nox, part. it's fresh in your mind. Um, my favorite part is the relationships you get to build with the characters um, on a selfish point or what my playthrough was like. I really enjoyed the romancing ability of the characters and specifically Gail. Um, that was a part of the story that I would look forward to. Part of the reason I would want to advance to act two or to act three is to get that next step in that relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and they and they really pay off at the end, I think, for most people. Sorry, Bandito, I know Carlac didn't make it. Um You learned to live with it. <laughs> <laughs> my so that would probably be my favorite part is the relationships with the characters and just how you feel like you know them and how they bleed outside of the game when you sit down and you play Baldur's Gate for ten hours and then you're still thinking about it when you leave. I think that's really not unique because there's other games that have done that to me. But when a game does do that, I think that's really notable. Special. My least which is touching. It's special. Special. I thought you said touching. Um, <laughs> um, <Separate> discussion. <laughs> um, my least favorite part of the game was sometimes, especially in Act Three, when you walked into a fight. You either felt like you could roll them and it was no big deal or you felt like you couldn't win and there was nothing you could do about it. Specifically, the first fight in the House of Guilt. Oh, Oh, guilt. Grief. I always mix up the G words. Um, But House of Grief, the first battle in there is awful, is terrible. I have no idea how to do it. I turned my... I have turned I turned down my difficulty to explore, gave myself 300 HP, and then I won narrowly, I hate to say. I also think the battle against Answer the Dragon was also terrible. Caramel can attest, I you almost threw it. my computer through my window. <laughs> you I spent that. far too long on that fight, but I did win. Uh, 
two weeks ago was the League of Legends episode. Please continue your anger. <laughs> yeah, um, we don't need to worry about League uh, causing me to put my mouse through the drywall. It's that it's that freaking those freaking ones that cast darkness on me in the <laughs> temple or the house of house of grief. They they are going to cause problems to my peripherals. We're gonna have to introduce a new League character, Caramel. Um, sorry, just the anger I felt that when I watched you with oh the dragon. Oh my god. Oh my god. I, I think everyone has had at least one instance in some fight. Normally it is in Act 3, because that's, I think it's probably the most unpolished act. Um, It's the most issues. Yeah. But everyone has had at least one fight in that act where <laughs> that anger is completely justified. You will eventually defeat it. There's something in us that just, we're going to get through this battle. We're not giving it up. We're not walking away. We're going to finish this fight. And I think that is kind of a good thing because it just, it, it, it engages you. It, it makes you mad. It pisses you off. But you want to do it. You want to defeat it. You want to defeat the dragon. Who doesn't want to defeat a dragon? Uh, I, I think a big part for me, though, is just exploring everything i can because your first playthrough you will always miss something there will be something you didn't see didn't realize you could go a certain path and i love exploring it that is my favorite this this huge world i already have a familiarity with D. &D. it absolutely expands even if you have such a good knowledge of it you learn more um, but I won't lie, I, I had to learn acceptance in this game, and I hated it, and I think that's the worst, but it is also the best for just general growth, um, in, uh, in, like, your endings. So, you had your Carlac ending, you had to accept it. You weren't gonna go all the way back in the game to fix it. That's user it. ending. <laughs> You'll consider it, but you won't do it, because that's not true to your story. It, 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 the... Again, the story, I feel like, is everything to me. Mm -hmm. But, again, it's also a part I hate because the choices you make, you got to live with the consequences. If it's a quick decision that you can reload, save scum, absolutely okay. But you can't go back a whole act to undo a mistake that now you have to live with the consequences <laughs> of. Bandito, what's, what's one, of your, one of your favorite parts? So, I have a few... And it's because I love the game in general, but I have a few moments that stick out to me. Um, Asterion's voice actor went all out for one line. When you go into the Githyanki camp, there's a giant laser that can be shot in, in self-defense. If you happen to leave Asterion behind and resurrect him later... Um, he delivers one of the best voice lines, in my opinion, in the game, that he was right there. <laughs> and that apparently his immunity to sunlight is somewhere in between a, what was it, a dazzling summer's day and the full concentrated power of the sun. <laughs> Delightful. Good um, writing. Good writing, generally. Great writing. <laughs> then you follow up. I had more closer ties again with Karlak. So the first night 
that I think we figured out uh, if you pour like water on her, you can kiss. Fucking adorable. Mm. That entire cutscene was adorable because she was so giddy with just that. It was awesome. It was wonderful. You could feel the joy of her character through the game. It was it was awesome. It was wonderful. <laughs> but yeah. It's uh it's great to hear how much you guys bring up the replayability of it and just how often you can play uh, how how different it can be each time you play it. Um let's just talk about that for a second. Um particularly like Honor mode, I know uh, you guys have been doing honor mode lately. There's also, what, tactician mode? Tactician yeah. is the hardest difficulty, yeah. Yeah, and oh, then there's uh, also... Under honor. I know two of you have done dark urge playthroughs as well. All so of us we'll... are working on it. All of us are working on it. <laughs> Maybe let's, let's just touch on that and just... What makes it so replayable, but also, like, why that's such a good thing. First. Caramel. Oh, no, no, Bendito. Oh, Bendito's Bendito, already got Bendito. it. Bendito's yeah, got it. It's, it's I've got running. I've been angry for a while. I've got Go right it. ahead. So originally, when I first picked up the game, it was a gift by a friend who already liked D&D. And I was not vibing with it. I don't know what it was, but that, like, I don't know if I ever got past the non-alloyed. That entire first part, I was getting angry, I was tired, and I was bored. I just didn't, I didn't get it. And then I gave it like a, a month, maybe. And then I played by myself. Believe it or not, that's the secret ingredient. Don't play with people who aggravate you. <laughs> um, what? Once you get past right. that, it makes the game so much better. <laughs> um. Oh, God. I've had quite a few characters because I like to uh, join campaigns with other people. So I'm like another NPC in their game, but I can control them as they play, even though it's technically their game. Uh, Caramel and I have been doing this back and forth in honor mode, which, by the way, if you don't know, that means if you die, you die. That's specifically, it. Specifically, your whole party has to die. And once that happens, your save file, is it, it won't be gone. It immediately transitions to tactician. And you can either continue it in that mode, or that's it. You can no longer continue your honor mode. That You won't get the that. rewards of completing it. Which, speaking of which, the rewards are a set of golden dice that you can use for your dice rolls. It might not look like much. It's worth it. <laughs> it's so worth it. You can see the, uh, the cosmetics are getting to all of us. A little bit. Um, <laughs> oh god, Caramel, what a temp are we on? Five? I think we're on attempt number five. The furthest we've gotten was act two, Two. which still aggravates me to this day. Don't take advice. You don't need it. Focus on yourself. It's not worth it. Do your own thing. You're doing fine. It's worse when you let outside. And and it's not, it, it doesn't have to be even like in bad taste. Someone could genuinely be trying to help. But it's your playthrough. Keep that in mind. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the worst part. I can't really blame him because I do think he was trying to. I was like, hey, that's a really fucking good item. And then we went into it. And then it wasn't worth it. (laughs) Um, But I'm. You love and you learn. You learn acceptance. You learn acceptance. 
I've tried all different kinds of people. I have found a favorite, which is I'm going to hit you harder than you can hit me. Good luck. <laughs> which is the best kind of person. Uh, I've tried Dark Urge, which I'm playing now. That's my run with Karlak. Again, adorable, especially if you're trying to be a good person with Dark Urge. It's delightful. Some of the best conversations in the game. You can just keep going. There's so much. You can do anything, any way you wanted to play the game. There are so many different options, so many choices. Anything. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. Jeremiah? Uh, I'm I mean, I think you've pretty much covered like honor mode and it and the other modes, Explorer and Tactician, are just different rarities of levels, which have their own benefits and drawbacks. Um, my personal favorite is the Dark Urge. I think that is my favorite character because it does have a set story for this character. You don't know it though when you first go in. You are yeah. learning this character's backstory at the same rate they are. And it, it does open up a lot more lore. It does open up a lot more different options for you to do. And my personal favorite might be a little bit of a spoiler. Uh, you can kind of choose whether you want to be someone more redeeming and good, or you can do something a little more evil. I like doing evil Dark Urge. Uh, you get some perks. Um, again, I'm not going to give too many spoilers, because I know uh, Nox, you're just starting it. But there is a transformation that you can do during battle that is very... You, we brought up uh, Stranger Things. It gives me that vibe. Um, and it is the most fun of just transforming and just, you know, blowing through battles like they're nothing. So play the Dark Urge however you want, but if you do the evil run, there's, there is some, it, it's, it's give and take. So there is things you will lose out if you do your evil run, but you will get some fun things in return. Um, so I, I, you can do the, the Dark Urge run numerous times and you still will find so much so much to do so i like i talked about finished the game last night for the first time i had been we knew this podcast was coming up i really wanted to finish by the time we recorded so i was able to know the entire story and talk about the entire story i had been not sleeping well playing this all day if I could, coming home from work early to play it, staying up way past when I should for my sleep schedule to play it, and I finally finished it last night. It was 11.30 p.m., my eyes hurt, my head hurt, I had done it, I had got it done in time. But do you want to know what I did instead of going to bed? I started my Dark Urge playthrough. Yeah, you did. Why? Blessing of the curse. This game, I found this today as I was playing earlier, starting my Dark Urge run. I was thinking about things I wanted to do differently. I wanted to maybe romance this character or go here first, have this interaction first, see how that chain affected how we did everything. But I even today, I met Gale, pulled him out of the portal, and I went, oh, I could romance him again. And even though I had already done it, 
the story was so good that I was willing to go through another 70 hours to do it again. It's like a comfort movie. It's like, it's, it's addicting. It's comforting. You know what's going on, yet it can still be new and challenging and different. I might have started my Dark Urge mode on Tactician. It might have gone back to balanced already. <laughs> it is what it is. And it's your choice. So there's something about, yes, you can go do different things, but also it's so good in and of itself. It's the same way. It's the same reason you'd go back and play Jedi Fallen Order again, because you loved it and the story was so good. Or you go back and you play other story-based modes where you just love the story. So you do it again. So even though Baldur's Gate can be so di so different, depending on how you play it, it's still so good that you could play it the exact same way again. I would play it again. I would make exactly the same choices and I'd go do it again. I think the only time I've actually changed anything, like I actively changed what I did, was in my playthroughs with Caramel. Because in like almost all of mine, I was a good person. Like I went out of my way to be a good person because I liked Carlac and I want her on my team and to have her on your team, you gotta be a good person. So I had that shit down. Um, <laughs> as soon as I joined Caramel, we unintentionally killed first the entire Emerald Grove. That just because that, that happened. Then the goblin camp right out. All of act one was executed because we chose <laughs> the wrong voice line. <laughs> so, that's actually pretty uh entertaining i remember being on a discord chat with you a couple days ago and you're like huh we're gonna go solve this murder now yeah <laughs> i th that's the funny thing though i there's a couple similarities in most of my playthroughs but i actively try to pick different choices because i don't know what's behind that choice yet i have to know i think that's like the main draw for me is i want to know or you just save scum and pick all the options. That is the no, but you gotta know what I'm happens okay at the end of the story from that choice. So that's yeah. why I have oh, yeah. six playthroughs. I'll stick to that decision because I want to see what happens at the end. Why? Why was this decision so big? And it, and there's usually a, a consequence for it, no matter there, what. Yeah, there's a lot of times where I'll intentionally save scum just so I can hear what each voice line would offer. Did you do it to Carlac when you were romancing yes, her? I did, of course. I'm not a monster. Um... I did it to Gail in the epilogue. Caramel watched me do it last night. Uh huh. Oh god. F five. I think one of my... when we're done. F five. F eight. F five. F eight. F five. F eight. For people who don't know and might want this quick trick, uh, F five is a quick save hotkey, and F eight is a load your most recent save hotkey. You're welcome. When we're talking about save scumming, very useful. Those you're gonna need those two keys. It is a legit strategy. Fight me. Sounds like people playing Kerbal Space Program. Sure. It's not though, because people in Kerbal will do that. They'll F five and they'll F nine. Oh. <laughs> you can save scum in Kerbal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It is actually, it's kind of common, like people, so like, uh, I'm pretty good about not save scumming, but uh, I will F5 all the time because there's weird things with the physics engine in there. So sometimes you just reload because you'll like, you know, you'll load a ship and it'll spontaneously explode, which <laughs> that happens fairly often in that game, even when you're not trying to. Um, but uh, it's a good thing just to get in the habit of with that one. 
I'd love to do a Kerbal episode. If there's any interest, please let us know. Oh, Lord. That's actually kind of a good thing to bring up real quick. What would be your number one like tip you'd give for new players? I always go, F5 is your best friend. F5 is your best friend, and you need to start learning that, that best friend. Uh, my tip would be, if you're new to D&D and you're new to Baldur's Gate, go look up how actions and bonus actions work and how items work. It would have saved me a lot of stress and a lot of long rest. If I would have just <laughs> understood what those things were doing, I thought we were just going to bed at night and I was getting all my health back. Nope. <laughs> nope, that's not what was happening. So if you have no base knowledge, save yourself 10 hours of the learning curve. Just go look up how those things work. How did the combat work? Go find a guide online. It, it, it's fun to learn as you go, but it's also incredibly frustrating. So if you want to skip that part, just go, go do some research, figure it out how it works. Bandito? On a slightly different tone, don't fall for the little vampire twink. It's not worth it. There's only pain. There's, there's nothing there for you. It's just going to make Lies. you feel bad. Like, so he's, there's nothing there. Is he Wrong like a Kendall? <laughs> Can I ask a question? Because I know we're talking spoilers, and I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Is there an ending with Asterion where he doesn't complete the ritual in Cazador's palace, but can still walk in the sun at the end? Oh, I don't I think found. so. Not that I found. I know that there's a bunch of things like endings have been undiscovered still. Are there's, you serious? Oh, there are uh-huh. some parts of it that haven't been found yet. Uh, that, that, that did start when it first came out that they had said that, I think. I don't I, think that's accurate is, anymore. It might not be accurate. Not since they got Game of the Year at the very least. Mm-hmm. But for a very long time. There was hours undiscovered. Absolutely. Um, but I'm not sure. I don't okay. think so. I would say no. And sorry to, to burst out. <laughs> I was just curious because I watched his his story felt, his endings felt a little bit uh, like a, two sides of a coin. Like you had to do one or the other for him. Which is... A little sad knowing that so many other characters have a few more options and such a beloved and award-winning character doesn't. I could be wrong in that statement, but... I feel like that goes towards every character. Every character can have a flip of the coin kind of ending where one side is like vastly different from the other. Um, yeah, there's sometimes you can sprinkle in some smaller details to the story. Like if we're going to stick with Asterion, you can choose to save 7,000 or... or release 7,000. Oh, um, that's something I'm release, doing on my next... You kill them all. Uh, <laughs> so, so... Do you really? Like, Is that what happens? Oh, yeah. You, you execute you all of them. <laughs> like, legit... All of them. <laughs> or you can so, or you can free them, which is in, also as insane as you can think, because I think you... I, I Maybe it was... Maybe it was someone else who's playing it, but they made the comparison that these... They were spawn. It was me. And then we were talking about Twilight, those. right? The mm-hmm. Twilight comparison. The, the, com- the comparison to that these spawn are like newborn vampires in Twilight, where yes. they can't control themselves. Don't laugh so, at me, Bandito. I have very minimal um, vampire knowledge. <laughs> some judgment. Not as much as there should be, but there is some. <laughs> 
Um, but there is definitely that flip of the coin for every ending. There's just a lot more details that can go into how they got there or why they're doing it. Sure. So you can make that comparison, I think, for every companion part. Sure. We start to move towards the end of our Baldur's Gate discussion and we made it. You know, we're going to think about wrapping it up here, but this conversation is clearly going to be ongoing for some time, just in Absolutely. general. Um, we've harped on the replayability. We've harped on the fact that this is the thing that makes the game so phenomenal. It's the fact that your choices have influence and the fact that you can go out and it's not just open world, but it's open choice. You know, the story has some predetermined elements, but every action that you make will have consequences down the line. Just Do like we think this life. is... Right? Crazy. <laughs> Do we think this is the future of single-player gaming? Oh, God, hopefully. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think this style has already been something that's been progressing uh, in other video games, and this is just, I think, one of the pinnacles, or like the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But it, it's it's. I think it is going to be a trendsetter for future games because mm -hmm. it feels like it's already following a trend that was started before. It's funny, Knox. You brought up Jedi Fallen Order, which is one of my personal favorite games, and the, it gets a little bit older now. The game's what four years old now, something like that. It's it's yeah. got to be older than that. I want to say six. Is it really that old? Oh, gosh. But yep. the, the point that I want to bring right? up is that... Bandito? It seems like I have no up. idea. No, oh, okay. uh, I have something else. I, I have a... Not have the point, argument. but... We, four years. Can... Four years. You're right. Four. 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 Oh, nice. Not I remember healthy. some things. Um, but that's one of my personal favorite single-player games. Like, I think the story is... It is fairly linear, but it's a great experience and it's a great story to sit down and experience um titanfall 2 is another one it's very very linear any of the halo games especially the ones done by bungie i mean uh i'm not gonna say halo 5 and 6 were quite there but you know the the first few halo games in particular were very very great single player experiences but they're all on rails your decisions don't matter so much as they're going to maybe affect the difficulty, but not the actual gameplay experience. Um, furthering that, look at the uh, previous two Game of the Year winners were both games where it's kind of you. It's not one character. It's not one set story. It's what do you want to do with it? Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 and Elden Ring. I don't agree it should have won, but that's a separate argument. However, seeing as how popular it became so quickly, the entire premise is that you, like Baldur's Gate, you could be anything. You could play however you want. There are so many different choices to how you could have the game end however you want. So I do think that it's going to start, at least if it hasn't already, adjusting what most players see as the common game nowadays and it's become gonna become this style of well what do you want to do how do you want to play in this situation instead of what would this character do so yeah i think that's what's going to become anyway 
I was mentioning a game off camera to these guys. I was talking about Detroit Become Human, which I think released in 2017, uh, 2016 or 2017. But um, that game was very eye-opening to me as a player when I played it back then when I was in high school. I had only played Overwatch and The Last of Us up until that point. The Last of Us has an extremely linear story, and Overwatch is obviously an online FPS. But playing Detroit and feeling like I was in control of the three characters that I was given was such a crazy cool experience to know what it's like to be able to play a game again. I don't think I've played The Last of Us twice because nope. I got the story and I enjoyed it. I love it. It's I remember it as one of my favorite games, but I haven't played it again. I've played Detroit at least three times. I'm going to play Baldur's Gate at least five. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But that kind of starting the curve, even going back further until Dawn is another game that kind of introduced that choice. I know Telltale games, they were not great games, but they made a lot. There was a, there was a for sure a Game of Thrones choice-based game, but there has been nothing like Baldur's Gate to this point where it's open world, it's quest-based, it's relationship-based, it's combat-based. It has really opened the door to watching things like Elden Ring and Detroit Become Human and Until Dawn culminate into this new version of what a game can be. I think downside is this game is good. This game must have taken forever to make. I remember hearing six years. 22 years since the release of Baldur's Gate 2. 22 years since the, the, la the last release of the game. But I believe hearing, I think, in an acceptance speech at the Game Awards by the forget his name, but the guy who accepted it, who had all the, the armor on, it was lit. Um, <laughs> I remember him mentioning six years. So these games do take a long time to make. This isn't, you have to create and voice act and render and work on a million and five different possibilities because you're giving that freedom to your character, which I think is interesting. I think we might see a, if, if games really start to push in this direction, we may see a decrease in the amount of games we get from these bigger studios as they're working on these things. This is also not my realm of knowledge. This is me thinking as a very average person. Oddly enough, this, this is my realm of knowledge. So, uh, viewers, if you do have interest in how games are developed, um, I have a limited knowledge, but I do know more about the CGI part of it, So, uh, which has a lot of commonalities. I've got, Let like, us know. four or five games I know everything about. So, <laughs> But if, it's if also gonna... interesting, as, as things like motion capture and different ways to create games become way more advanced, creating these and animating these may become easier time will tell in terms of development processes but these games are not two-year games to create these games mm. take a long time and we got really lucky Baldur's gate is phenomenal but Baldur's I... gate could have also sucked yeah Baldur's gate could have been bad not every game released by big studios is good so I think volume could go down, the amount of good games we see could go down, but we, I think it's a great price to pay for these excellent games we receive. I will wait, I will, if I don't have another new game for three years while I'm waiting for the next studio to catch up and release after Baldur's Gate, I'm fine. I'll, I'll just play Baldur's Gate until then. <laughs> to put it simply, like, I, I would vastly rather have quality over quantity. That's Absolutely. really what it boils down to. This is, 
a high quality game, high replayability. I I will wait as long as I need to for another game. I don't know if I've mentioned it, but for a very long time, like basically since I was born, Diablo, the entire Diablo series has been one of my favorite. Diablo 3 specifically is my favorite game of all time. I have replayed that game, I, I don't think it'd be a stretch to say thousands of times. I've played it a lot. Baldur's Gate might take the cake. Just the sheer emotion behind it. Again, how much there is, how different you can play each one. It it might get close at the very least, but it might go over it. It makes me imagine. upset that I held off so long to get this game. Yeah, I didn't Should want to be. manipulate you too much <laughs> to get it. I got yelled at last time for that. <laughs> <laughs> really putting out good... Uh... Images of ourselves out on the internet. Hey, if it's a good game, maybe you should manipulate your friends into buying it. It's worth it. I have some games in my Steam library that you've forced me to get that say otherwise. Um, what was that one? Demonologist? What are you talking Demonologist about? Demonologist is fine. <laughs> uh, I, I was more thinking, who's your daddy? Um, <laughs> that was a fun game for like two days. <laughs> we didn't get two days out of it. We, we got less even, than an I hour. Did. I got like, I got, you like, got two hours. I got like two days. Two days. We got less than an hour. Was that in a row? Okay. I don't think so. (laughs) It might have been. It's been a while. Um, I also think it was a bigger issue of who we played with and less of what we played. It seems like a common thread for you, Bandito. You know, I didn't say it was perfect. (laughs) But... You We're going to have to clip that. Yep. Um, ah! life, life. <laughs> New sound in the Discord. Hell yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's wrap up our conversation then. One very, very simple question. Like I mentioned, time between Baldur's Gate 2 and Baldur's Gate 3 was 22 years. Would you wait 22 years to get the next Baldur's Gate installment? Yeah. If I have to. I, I want it now. Quicker. Yeah, I, I want it like tomorrow so I can figure out what happens after and what's the key. But if it, if it was 22 years or nothing, then yes. The answer is yes. Yup. Caramel? Uh, how long was Dame Aelin in uh, the Shadow Realm? I'll wait that oh, long. I'll God. get Dane stabbed over and over Shadow again. Realm. And if it means I get released and go play Baldur's Gate 4, down. Absolutely. I need to know what happens to Carlag. You don't understand. I have to know. And in the meantime, we got three. Oh, wait. <laughs> Absolutely, I would wait. No question about it. <laughs> Definitely, huh? We all have. Uh, I should say it. Everybody else except me has very, very positive thoughts on it. I'm pretty neutral, but eventually, the you'll break away, be down, and I'll buy it and. We'll see, what, we'll see at that point. And I and you will have Zach, to I'm, deal with us watching you. I am at my point where I'm ready to crowdfund you the funds <laughs> to I buy it. Probably chip in. I'm ready. <laughs> I got my check. No, which one? no, no. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Give it some time. <laughs> with that said, let's move into our usual final segment. Uh, we call this the real world. We like to talk about just things going on in our life. Music we're listening to, movies we're watching, TV shows we're watching, books we're reading, things we're doing may or may not be related to video games. Oftentimes it isn't. Just 
general things in life. Knox, you want to get us started? Sure. Um, before we started filming tonight, I had to quickly run through my list of what books I have talked about and which ones I haven't. Um, my reading has, believe it or not, slowed down because of this stupid game. I haven't had any time. I actually have a... Uh, I want to read the entire Throne of Glass series before Crescent City 3 comes out on January 30th. I'm behind on my schedule now because of sure. Baldur's Gate, which is fine. I'm <laughs> not mad about it. I'm there. <laughs> not at all. But, ugh, but uh, I won't talk about Throne of Glass. I think I already have. I'm going to recommend The Duology of Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. It is a YA, technically. I think it leans a little bit younger, but I still enjoyed the story. It is a historical fiction but not really. It deals with gods in a war and two people who fall in love who are both reporters and carry around their typewriters and report on the war as they're constantly being ripped apart. It's very cute. It's very sweet. Combined, the entire duology is like 700 pages. It's extremely easy to read through. I read the second one that just came out in a day and a half. So I think I have talked about this one. I'm plugging it again. It's wonderful. Bandito, you're next. Um, so I was, ironically, manipulated into getting I did a book nuts. series. As no well. such thing. I did no such thing. <laughs> Which if is ironic. You, if you had stayed quiet, you might have been able to be like, "Oh no, it was just someone." It was. I did it no wasn't such even thing. just you. I had like four people yelling at me all at once for just this series. I did pick up a Court of Thorns and Roses. <laughs> Then I ordered its sequel, A Court of Mist and Fury, but because I was waiting for the sequel in the mail, I went ahead and went in person and bought the third one, Wings and Ruin, because I have a problem and too much money to spend. Um, so that's what I've been reading. It must be a nice problem to have. Oh, it's so nice. It's so nice. Following that, however, while I'm reading in my spare time, I have made... Once more, another unreasonable purchase. I don't know if any of you are aware of it. However, (laughs) there is a Republic-class Venator attack cruiser that I have now acquired in its Lego form. I had no knowledge that he got that. Oh, yeah. Um, It is two (laughs) giant boxes. From what I know, in the first box alone, there is at least 23 bags of lego pieces forget how many pieces are in that set too many <laughs> i don't know if i have the number i can um, look it up really quick because yeah, i'm curious too, uh, too many too many pieces i do know i'm gonna be spending my next how long did the uh at <laughs> at take me that took me about five-ish hours say in a day I'll, I'll give this one like two days maybe three <laughs> I think it's going to take a little bit longer. Maybe three. <laughs> For those oh, curious, it's no just under 5,400 pieces. It's it's beautiful. It's awesome. This is the best purchase I've ever made. Nothing will come close. <laughs> oh, I'm very jealous. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find a place to store it because right now I've got... I don't know where nowhere. you're going to store it. It's like two and a half feet long. It's so huge. <laughs> I'm going to have to buy a table weeks. to put it on. <laughs> weeks to plan. And I got nothing. I thought of nothing. I just wanted the giant ship, okay? <laughs> Come with any plans to go with that? 
No, you know what the real challenge is, right? Once you're done, you have to figure out how to put an interior in it. Oh, yeah, that's um... There's a lot. I don't have to find the lighting kit for that one. I got the one for BD1 that looks awesome. I don't know if this one has it. Has one. Oh, there's a few already, but uh, I'm going to tell you right now, it's probably going to be better to just go custom and do exactly the lights you want. I probably will, but I am ecstatic to start working that as soon as this podcast is over. You can best <laughs> I, bet that's what I'm working on. God, and then we're on or running later. Yes. Most likely in a few days. <laughs> no. Apparently. <laughs> Tonight. You need to take a break. Well, for your own sanity. We'll see. I'm going to be binging the entire Star Wars <laughs> best trilogy while I'm building it. Oh, that's a strong opinion. We can... <laughs> that, that, and I'll we'll, fight we'll for it. That at a later date. <laughs> Caramel, what have yes. you been up to? Because we're all very unique people with very vastly different uh, hobbies. I'm also reading... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm also reading. Uh, oh my gosh, it's we literally just talked about it. You literally just brought up the book. I'm in. I'm it's in halfway through the book. For context, <laughs> for context, <laughs> I've also read it. I've read <laughs> We've all read it. Yes, you read it I, first. I, well, who, who <laughs> told us to be? <laughs> Me. Exactly. I'm a manipulator. Oh god. But yeah. Um. So I'm reading that. And um, also in the same vein, I'm still building my Lego set. I got the insect collection. Uh, so far, I got my butterfly. I've had my butterfly for a minute, and I'm still working on my uh, Hercules beetle. My favorite will be probably the praying mantis. I'm gonna. Yeah, I can't do that. If I let it sit, I'll go insane. I have to hyperfixate on it for. Like, I have to take breaks, otherwise I will hyperfixate and build for days straight. I, I, there are times when I've forgotten to eat while building, okay? It's an art form. <laughs> this is the nice part about living, especially because I live with my sister who also builds. Um, we, you know, oh gosh, how many sets are in this room? One, two, Too three, many. four, five, Too six, many. seven, eight, nine, I don't 10, think 11, I have as many 12, as you. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. You know, I thought we were going to get to sets. like eight. I thought eight was going to be a nice number. I have 22 sets in this room with me. Um, I, it doesn't include I heard things you. like, you know, there's a UCS gunship out there. Um, uh, I think I have 14, maybe 15. And I this room, catching up one. scarily quickly. <laughs> well, that's because when you don't have oh, to pay for way. bills, you have all expendable income. Yeah. And this nice. is all it's going towards. I just have my BD. I, I feel we like that. the BD. You BD's need to a good look one. at the light kit for it. It's worth Heard. it. It's worth it. Um, <laughs> for me this week, uh, I was just going to mention, I've been working on my diamond paintings because I've finished two of them. Uh, for anybody who's unfamiliar with this hobby, who's part of our uh, listening audience, uh, diamond painting is you take like these little tiny plastic jewels, like they're almost like bedazzling jewels, and you stick them on a tacky canvas. And you have to do... Usually it's a couple thousand of them, maybe tens of thousands of them at a time. Ooh, yeah, it's a And lot. you do it with a little, uh, it's like a pencil almost, like a, it looks almost like a ballpoint pen, but then the end has a little hollow metal tube at the end, and you stick it in wax, and then you 
pick up each individual one and place it where it goes. Yeah. So um, I did Van Gogh's. I did Van Gogh's Fields of Wheat recently. Uh, I finally finished that one. I had been working on it for a while. Um, that one was over forty hours to complete. And then uh, for the video podcast, I could actually show it. I've got the Avengers Endgame poster that I've done. That's kind of sick. That is it is pretty cool. Sick. Like it, it's a very it's an interesting thing to hang up and show the around. The photo doesn't do it justice. That's no, really it does cool. not. In the no, slide. it doesn't because <laughs> it actually like it sparkles. Like I can kind of get it there if I hold it at an angle. You can see like it actually sparkles and the jewels catch a little bit. I mean... It's a, it's a different type of hobby. It's very very uh, time intensive. Um, tedious. Tedious. Uh, doesn't always agree with my carpal tunnel, but coward. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? G- give it a decade of living with it, and then you can uh, come back and talk to me. We'll see. <laughs> I'll Over gladly have my venator sit on the mantle. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be like, I'm never taking it apart because I don't want to feel that this <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, on that note, uh, thanks everyone for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the discussion today. We release these episodes weekly, but if that's not enough for you, we're always available. Come to the Snowflake Sanctuary Discord. Uh, we are always here. There's basically somebody on at all times. Uh, if not in the text chat, then, uh, if not in the voice chat, then definitely in the text chat. Absolutely. Uh, if you want to offer your own insights, have any ideas, uh, that you want us to hear, or you think you should be just sound like a cool group of people, come hang out, uh, join the discord. Uh, we have a new, uh, role specifically for that. So you can actually be like more attached to the podcast, not necessarily. Uh, or you can interact with us a little bit more easily. Uh, thank you again, Bandito, Caramel. Thank you guys for joining us, uh, offering all your insights today. Um, thank you to everyone who's listening for joining us and hope to see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Two hands. We're doing, we're making that a thing. Two hands. <laughs>